Welcome to Grab Life Big. Grab Life Big. The exclusive podcast for healthy, wealthy, generous men who choose to lead epic life. Or as a few of us say, badass rich guys who do epic shit. And now, your host, Pat Hybin. If this is empty, this doesn't matter. Glad you were home. I'm always home. I'm on cool. Me too. You're doing great, dude. Telling true currency in this bankrupt world is what you share with someone else when you're on cool. Is it my advice to you? I know you think these guys are your friends. If you want to be a true friend to them, be honest and unmerciful. Wrong Tribe Confounds, The Right Tribe Compounds. Get your free copy of the runaway bestseller Tribe of Millionaires, a $20 value at tribeofmillionaires.com free. Just pay the shipping. That's tribeofmillionaires.com. All right, GoBros. Welcome to the GoBro Room. I got Mr. John Wanberg uh, with us today from Orlando, Florida. What's going on, brother? Hey, man, not much. Super excited to be here. I really appreciate you you asking me to do it. Hey, uh, John, so why don't we start off by you just kind of giving like a five-minute or less little, you know, life story of John from the day you were born till now. Okay. So I was born in Springfield, Virginia. My, my dad was an FBI agent, so he worked in downtown D.C., and we lived just outside of D.C. in Springfield till I was about 13. And then he put in his optional transfer and moved us from there to Billings, Montana, all the way across the country. So like the exact opposite side of the side of the states, essentially, in a completely different, different world. And then I, I went to junior high, high school in Montana, grew up playing football, wrestling and hunting and fishing a lot, doing a lot of outdoor stuff, you know, fishing and snowboarding and all that. And I ended up meeting my wife in between our junior and senior years of high school. So we met through a church youth group type thing and we dated for about three years. I, I ended up getting a scholarship for grades in high school, but I, I ended up not taking it. And I decided to go to like a college instead, which was made my parents really happy as you can imagine. After high school, I ended up, I decided not to take the scholarship I got and I went to like a small Bible college for two years, came back to Montana and uh, got married right away. I was 20 years old. So my wife and I, we've been married now for 22 years, a little over 22 years and been together for about 25 years. We, we dated for, for about three years. When I got back, I worked as a painter and volunteered at my church. And then I ended up taking a job at a church in Illinois where I worked as an associate pastor for three years, decided I didn't like that world that much. So I, I wanted to get out of, of like ministry and, you know, felt like I could do better just working in business and making money that way. And then volunteering my time in some sort of, you know, missions work or, or something like that, rather than working inside of that, that environment. 
So I uh, moved away from Illinois, moved to Florida with, with my wife. We didn't have any kids or anything. So we just moved out here kind of on a whim. And then I got my real estate license here and started working in real estate shortly thereafter. So it was about 2009 when I started full-time in real estate, right when the market was crashing here. And I did that for two years before I, Eddie Workinger and I met and we partnered together and started a team out of a REMAX office. We were at a boutique brokerage before and started out of the REMAX office. And then we moved over to KW in, in some uh, around 2013. And then we started investing in real estate, you know, really closely, close to that where we started flipping property for some investors we've been working with. And then uh, and building our real estate team, you know, kind of along side by side. And then since then we started buying and holding real estate and, uh, started a property management company. I think that's about everything. Yeah. Holy dirt. Now, do you have kids? Yeah, I got three kids and, uh, they're seven, 10 and 12. So my, my youngest is Kira. And then my, my middle one is my son, Caden. And then Jocelyn's my oldest. She's 12. That's awesome. And how long have you lived in Florida? Uh, since 2005. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yep. So you had all your kids in Florida. Yeah. Yep. There, and and that, that's kind of, we're kind of, I don't know, got some roots down here a little bit because of that, I think, you know. You ain't kidding. So what, um, what's it like raising three kids next to Disney World? It's funny because I'm about 35 minutes from there and I never go ever. But um, my, wife, my wife takes the kids maybe once a year. She'll take one kid on their birthday or something like that. But uh, yeah, I don't, I never go. I hate it. So it's, it's like, it's, it's so, it's, it's like the absolute opposite of anything I ever want to do, you know, stand in line all day in the sun, you know? <laughs> oh my God. All right. Other people love it, but I don't know why I can't stand it. <laughs> All right, let's go to your one sheet. So okay. what percentage are you? So on the, are you talking about the horizontal to network? Yeah, the horizontal income. So like if, you're, if your family expenses are 10 grand a month and you net 10,000 horizontal income, you're what we call a hundred percenter. Okay, then, then I would be very close to that. So I, I didn't, I, like on the sheet that she sent me, it said net, it said horizontal to net worth. So I divided the horizontal yep. by my net worth and it was like 0.06%. Yeah, horizontal to like, if, you know. We'll I'm, talk about that too. Yeah, we'll talk about that too. But it's, yeah, it's really, it's one of the first questions there. It's like, a hor- it's, it's, uh, it's basically what percentage are you in? It's, so you're, so you, what is, like how much money do you make off your rental properties in anything that, you know, you're involved in that isn't vertical income, vertical income meaning trading time for money. Right, right, right. Yeah, so this year, so it's, it's a little bit challenging for us to calculate because we've been ramping up so quickly with buying properties. So over the last three years, we bought 42 properties, but right now, like by the end of the year, we should be at $111,906. So that'd be each for Eddie and for myself of horizontal income. Who's Eddie? Eddie's my business partner. Eddie okay. All right. So, so you'll make about a hundred, you'll make it, let's just say $9,000 a month. And what, what do you spend on three kids in Orlando, Florida, you know, all, all family expenses? 
Yeah, okay. about ten thousand. Close. So to then, that. so then you're you're you are a ninety percenter. Okay. Yeah. Makes sense. So, yep. Yep. And, and that would be now the 111 is what we will have made by the, by the end of this year for this year. So next year it should be dramatically more than that. Even if I never bought another property, if that makes sense. Why? Uh, because, because we've been adding to them this year throughout the whole year, adding another one, adding another one, adding another one all the way through the year. So at the beginning of the year, our monthly, Cash flow was lower. You know what I mean. Now the monthly cash flow is is higher. Oh, got it. Because you're adding more on. Okay. Right. Cool. All right. So you'll be a hundred percenter. You'll yeah. be a hundred percenter soon. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yep. Okay. Yep. So now let's talk about your horizontal net worth, which is you know you take you take the the nine grand. Let's just say you take one hundred eleven thousand. You divide it by your net worth. What's that number? Point oh six. Okay, so your net worth is twenty million. No, I do, <laughs> my net worth is like two million. Maybe I did that wrong. Yeah, so two million is five percent. Okay, so six yeah, percent. Yeah, sorry, yeah. I meant six percent. Yeah, six percent. Yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. I thought you meant point oh six percent, like a half a percent. No, or no, whatever. no, yeah. no, I did that wrong. Sorry. Okay, so six percent. So your true return, right? Your true cash on cash return or cash on equity return is 5%. Okay. And, 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 and a lot of people look at that and be like, oh, okay, damn, you know, I, here I am, boast. I thought I was making 15%. Um, but the problem is that over time, as equity grows, your actual return, some, a lot of times lessens, right? Because the house goes up in value. So when the house goes up in value, if you don't sell that sucker or refinance it, your, your number, your horizontal network is, worth is actually going to go down. And it's very difficult for GoBundance Brothers to get, you know, in the 10s, the 20s, uh, unless they're using, or, or it's, let's say 12, 15 plus, unless they're using a company, like okay. if like you're with Keller Williams, like some of these people that own market centers and, and uh, regions and shit like that uh, actually have, you know, huge returns on the amount of money that they've invested in those things, right? Because right. it's all like sweat equity or what they're actually worth because they're only doing three times earnings, right? So, so you, you know what I mean? So that, that it jacks their numbers all up. But if you're looking at sole real estate, you know, that, that, that's what's going to happen. Five to, five to 10 happens a lot. Happens a lot. I mean, even, okay. even, even age old investors that have been, you know, even that guy, that, that, that old guy that owns 50 rental properties in Baltimore city and rents them all out, you know, the horizontal, the net worth, is going to be five to say 15% uh, unless he starts selling the suckers, cashing them and buying three more with each one that he cashes out. Does that make sense? Right. Yeah. Yep. So anyways, okay, enough of that. So what's your credit score? Uh, it's over 800, a little over eight. Good. And what about your give back ratio? So how much money are you giving back or what are you giving back? So I got that here. The give back ratio is 12.26%. So let's talk about that. So 12 point, and, and the give back is 12% of 12% of the 111 or is it 12% of your vertical income? 
right? Money you make from sales, money you make from the property management company, and you know those two things, or those you know, or whatever. Yeah. Plus the horizontal income, which is the hundred and eleven. Is that what you're basing it on? Or are you basing it only on the the horizontal income? No, 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 on everything. So on everything, and I did it off the one sheet, which the one that somebody sent me is one that like auto calculates all that stuff. Okay, so cool. On that sheet. It's so how there. much cash is that? Would you say what's the e- easiest way to look at it? How much cash are you, or how much cash or, or time are you doing to give back? Yeah. So on, on the thing I have in there, the hours and the, the cash mm-hmm. and, and all together, you see the financial contribution was around 18,000. Then, and the, um, the hours was like a little over a hundred. Excellent. So, so that, that, that's how, kick ass. It, it automatically calculated the, that. That's the kick ass. Tell me about the hundred hours. So a lot of it's through my church. And then I also volunteer uh, through for some, some other stuff that we do for uh, some charitable organizations and things like that and volunteer like mission trips and stuff like that. It's got, that's the, the kind of stuff that I was. That's beautiful. That's awesome, dude. Tell what, uh, what was the last mission trip you did? I did one uh, with my daughter to, we went to uh, Guatemala with a company called the wheelchair foundation. And then there's a local one here called chair the love where they bring mobility to people in third world countries that don't have any, like any wheelchair or anything. I mean, some of them are being carried around or scooting around on a, on a skateboard and stuff like that. And so they, they provide them with like a nice wheelchair that they can fold up and everything. And so we, we went in and then helped distribute those in, in the, in like the little villages and stuff. What was that like? It was awesome. It was great. I mean, my, I brought my 12 year old, I wanted to expose her to like the real world where, you know, not like what she lives in with everybody's got an iPad and a cell phone, you know? So it was, it was really, that was kind of the main purpose of that trip for me was to, you know, help her to see what, what the world is really like, what nine, you know, 95% of people live like, you know, how has she been, how has she changed? It, it was good for her, man. I think it really just kind of grounded her a little bit, you know, brought her down to, I mean, it was also good, you know, it was good probably for that, but also it helped us in our relationship too. Like with my relationship with her has grown through that. Just the time being able to spend like real intimate quality time with her and, and, so I don't know. There's a, there's a lot of benefits from it. I, I feel like. Did you feel safe? Yeah, I did. I felt fine. I mean, we were in Guatemala city and, and then we went out into some villages and we, we were with working with like the Rotarians in that con- country kind of helped us get the wheelchairs through customs. And then they had buses and stuff and took us around. So, yeah. That's awesome. The Wrong Tribe Confounds, The Right Tribe Compounds. Get your free copy of the runaway bestseller Tribe of Millionaires, a $20 value at tribeofmillionaires.com free. Just pay the shipping. That's tribeofmillionaires.com. So let's talk about health. How much do you weigh? 240. What do you want to weigh? What's your ideal weight? Probably 200. 40 pounds. Wow. When was the last time you weighed 200? High school, probably. 
<laughs> and now you're how old? 42. Okay. So 24 years ago. So what, what, uh, what's the most you've ever weighed? Probably 250, 255. All right. So you're down. Little, so what, um, do you know what your body fat is? My, I, my get, best guess is about 30%. Yeah. So okay. I'm not sure. So I'm, I'm about six foot tall and you know, six foot tall, 240 pounds. So what is your diet? Like I've been, you know, like I've been doing like keto, you know, low carb and avoiding sugar as much as possible. And I try to stay away from stuff like pasta and bread and grains and things like that. So that's what I've been implementing for the last, you know, probably six months or a year. Have you tried intermittent fasting? I, I do. And I also do some longer term fasts, like, you know, seven and 10 day fasts, like just water fast for uh, inflammation and, you know, all that kind of stuff for my, I try to, I want to keep my, my numbers well and my like blood tests and all that. But yeah, I, I like the intermittent fasting a lot. I just haven't been diligent enough about it for sure. You know, and, and I've, I've, you know, one of the things I know for sure is an issue for me is alcohol. Like if I drink any alcohol at all on a weekend, it definitely, I end up gaining weight a dramatic amount. You know, it seems like, you know, very quickly. So I think it has something to do with uh, just causing inflammation, you know, from the blood sugar. Well, yeah. Yeah, I know. I, 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 I get bloated like my stomach bloats out the next day. I, I think it's like a sign almost like, a, I don't know, I'm sure it's scientific in some sort. But also, you know, when you're hungover, you crave carbs and you kind of get in that attitude where you're like, oh, screw it. I'll just, man, I really want a cheeseburger, you know, <laughs> I mean? yeah. like with fries. Right. Yeah. And like on a Wednesday for lunch, you would never do that. Right. So like, it's like, but, but it is what it is. You know, everything in moderation, including moderation. Yeah. Um, what about exercise? So exercise I'm right now I'm doing like 20 minutes on the stair stepper in the morning. I have like a, like a nice stair stepper, like a professional, like a gym one in my room. And I just use that in the morning for 20 minutes, but I want to do more. I'm just trying to figure out how to fit it in because I still currently work way too many hours. You know, I'm, I'm trying to get. Back yeah, I, I say to my, you know, 20 minutes is, is, is nothing for a 42 year old, dude. You need to be going like 60. Okay. Don't you think? On, on the stair stepper? <laughs> yeah, 60 minutes. Okay. okay. You think 20 minutes is enough? I don't know how much is enough. I'm not, <laughs> I, I haven't been doing it that long, so. You want to be sweaty. You want to be like, damn, you want to be sore, right? You want to be like, damn, I'm sore okay. the next day. You know what I mean? I don't know my opinion, but uh, that right. would be, that would be, that would be a simple thing. Now, of course, the whole thing about working too much, well, you know, I don't, and then that's a common problem we all have, right? Um, or have had, if you're not going to trade sleep for exercise, you got to trade work for exercise. You don't want to sacrifice your family time. So, you got two options, A, sleep, B, work. I mean, what can you, what can you do to, to work less? I, I, feel, I feel like we're getting there now. Like um, in the last year, you know, Eddie and I have been working together for like almost eight years now. And uh, I feel like we're getting to the place where we can start backing away and taking more time off and doing, you know, things that I just, ultimately I just got to be more, you know, say no to more things and be more diligent with my time instead of allowing, you know, people to waste my time, which is what I, I 
I tend to do. I have, you know, people on my team interrupting me all the time that stuff they need or help with or, you know, whatever. And it ends up, then I end up having to stay late to finish my stuff, you know? Yeah. Maybe you should fast your office in addition to food, you know, fast your office. Just be like, I'm not coming in this week. Not that I'm not going to be here, but I'm going to be at Starbucks instead. You know what I mean? And then like, see, see how much time you save. Uh, It'd probably be dramatic. I'm sure be a lot. People rise to the occasion when, when you're not around. When people, when you're around, people will use you as a crutch. That's true. Yeah. When you're not there, they'll rise to the occasion, especially if their call goes right to voicemail or your phone's turned off or whatever, you know, and so they'll figure it out or they'll ask somebody else. That's what I found. They spin around and ask somebody else. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and then, and then and, and that, that person, 99 times out of 100, tells them the right answer, an answer that works, you know. Yeah, you're right. All right, cool. So let's talk about your future and your past. First of all, you know, as you know, all all uh, all musicians have greatest hits albums, at least the good ones. Yeah. I want I want to know what John's uh, greatest hits are so far. The first forty two years of life, obviously, you know, your first three your three kids. But they, they, I'm not going to, they don't count, right? You got to come up with five in addition to that, like poignant moments in your life. We're literally like, if you look back, uh, if let's say you were dying right now and, and you had that movie moment where you're in a movie and, and you're, you have five visions flash over your eyes of the five best moments of your life, what are they? I would say that the first one, which I know you probably would be my, would be, getting married and picking the wife that I picked because I was only 20 years old and I am like my whole life is you know I mean a lot I guess I I I wouldn't say totally but a a lot of the success that I've experienced is due to that relationship and her causing me to become a better person and grow and so that's been huge I would say probably the next thing that would come to mind would be quitting that job in ministry. Cause I, all I had done my whole life was, you know, I trained for that. I went to college for that and, you know, got a job doing what I went to school for and basically realized this is not what I want to do with my life. And so it was a big deal to me to, to like quit that job and like, just take a huge risk and go out and do something completely different that I didn't know anything about. So that would be probably the second thing. I would say switching. So we made a, we made a pivot in our investment company and stopped flipping property and started buying rental properties. And that, you know, caused my net worth in the last like three years to go from like a hundred thousand to 2 million or almost 2 million. And, um, and, and that's, you know, that was a huge change for us is moving from flipping properties to, the buying and holding, we started uh, doing like basically the burst strategy from bigger pockets, you know, buy a property with private money, renovate it, rent it out, and then refinance the private money back out and start over. And, and that has made a massive difference. And, and that's also like changed my mindset about everything from investing to, to just like the, the fear of the future that I have is like, completely diminished or almost gone completely because, because of the foundation getting better. You know what I mean? It's not, it's less about sprinting on the treadmill and more about, you know, 
strategically buying assets that are going to pay for my lifestyle. And so that was a big deal. And then a huge, one big point that I, that I, that came up when I was thinking about this was a big risk we took. So back when the market was terrible, I was driving around with buyers in my car and I saw a sign on the side of the road that was like, you know, bankruptcy auction, you know, 215 acres. And I just pulled over and like told my buyer to move out of the way so I could put down the window and take a picture of the sign. <laughs> and I, and we had like no money, Eddie and I didn't have any money. And I went back and I, you know, maybe two weeks later, I saw that picture of my phone and I called the agent and I was like, Hey, tell me about this bankruptcy auction. And he's like, Oh, you know, we're going to pay somebody, you know, 50 or, or he said, basically what you, you can put in a pre-auction bid. And if your bid is accepted, then when we do the bankruptcy auction, we're still going to have the auction. And if somebody outbids you, then we'll pay you 50 grand to, to break your, break up your contract. And I was like, sweet, like, let's do that. So <laughs> I just was, my plan was to try to get it under contract and then, and then, uh, you know, have them pay us 50 grand to break the contract and be like easy money. Well, then we were going to a real estate conference out in, I think it was in Vegas or, or Dallas, Texas. I can't remember. And so we got somebody, you know, one of the agents on my team, one of the buyer's agents to get a power of attorney so he could show up and bid for me at the auction. Cause I was like, once we started looking at it, I was like, you know, this is probably a good deal. Maybe we should actually buy this property. So we got an investor that was willing to front up front the money. And we actually did get it under contract for like 900,000. And we got this investor that was willing to pay and he was willing to go up to like 1.15 million to buy it. And so I told the guy, don't bid above 1.15, but you know, if we can get it for that, I think we got a good deal. And we, you know, we're at the conference and, and all, I get a phone call. He's like, Hey, I got, I won the, won the bid. And I was like, awesome. And then I, the, the next thing is like terrifying, like trying to figure out what am I going to do with this big piece of land? Cause I, we didn't know anything about like developing land or anything like that. I just, I felt like I could recognize the good deal was the only reason. And long story short, you know, it took us a year and a half to unload that property to a developer and we sold it for 2.115 million and made like a net of about 800,000, which we split with the investor. So it was like 400,000 for Eddie and 400,000 for, uh, I mean, 400,000 for Eddie and I and 400 grand for the investor. So Eddie and I, and then instead of like, you know, we were like so ready to like go buy vehicles and boats and stuff with that money <laughs> working so hard on that deal. And, uh, but we, we like made the decision to start an investment company instead of that. And we started flipping property with our own money. And then that's rolled into our long-term buy and hold rentals. But like that one deal was like huge for us. And it was like, a, I don't know, like when I think about it, I mean, I just can't, it's like amazing. Cause, cause at the time I didn't even have the money to buy that piece of property or like anywhere near the money to buy the property, you know? So it was, it was just a, a big pivotal moment, you know? Yeah. I love the saying, you know, one thing leads to another, right? Yeah. yeah. But you just don't yeah. know. You just have to wait for the universe to tell you what it is, you know? Yeah. And it's one of those things like once you take action, then you can start figuring out what to do next. You know, like the whole, you know, build your parachute on the way down thing has been a big, that's kind of been the way that I live my life. I have a very high risk tolerance which makes the people around me somewhat uncomfortable. And, but it, but it has, it's just the way that I, my mind works, you know, it's like, I don't figure out that the, the 
all the details until I have to. And then once I have to, then I can figure it out, you know. So just curious, what's there now? Nothing. There's, so the person that bought it's been sitting on it? They're trying, they've been working, trying to get, you know, the utilities and the water and they're, they, yeah, they're waiting for the right timing in the market, I think, but they're, they're a huge, uh, it's a family that develops a lot of land and they, they bought it to, to put in another subdivision there. Right timing in the market? Yeah. Jeez, you would think it would be now, right? Yeah, I think they're trying to get the zoning, you know, higher density and they are very, very wealthy family so they can hold it for however long they need to until they get the right county commissioners in or whatever, you know what I mean, to to do it. So they're I guess. Yeah, that's crazy because uh you would think they could be making a like a massive mistake, right? Even just waiting like two more years, you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Well, it well, sounds I'm like you made the right move. It, though, for sure. Yeah, yeah, no, you you definitely made the right move. That was awesome. That was a good one. Yeah. So, so what about future? What do you like? You know, you you got five more, but they haven't happened yet. What do you want to happen in the future? I, man, I struggle with that big time. I, I was like going through my one sheet and my um my bucket list stuff and trying to figure it out. And it's hard for me to like I on. Yeah, on there, you know, you, you they have like 10-year goals and it's hard for me to even envision that far for some reason. I just, I have, a, I struggle. I know like I need to stretch my, my time perspective out, but I, I have a hard time going beyond like maybe three to five years. And, and uh, but on my bucket list stuff, the, the, the stuff that comes out to me is, is all like travel stuff, like going on, a, doing a safari in Africa and scuba diving in the Galapagos Islands and traveling around the world. And then want to own a beach house you know do some missions work like building wells in africa or, or something like that those are those are kind of the top five that, that came those, those are all awesome those are all like everybody listening should write those down too and add them to their list the the uh the, the thing I, when i look at it though it's like you know are these things worthy of being like the the greatest hits of my life like going on a trip somewhere like i don't know but Maybe they are. <laughs> it's it's tough because I, I want those things to be bigger, bigger impact, I guess, you know. What do you do in the hedge against a potential turn in the market? And the, the answer could be nothing or the answer could be what, whatever you're doing. Well, I mean, that that's one of the reasons why we've been buying the rental properties. And, and the rental properties that we're buying, we are leveraging them, but we're, we're leveraged at – about 70%. So we've got a, a good margin in there and we have between four and $500 a door in cash flow. So even if the rents backed off, which I, I think the rents will stay steady, even if we go in through a downturn, at least where we are, because there's just nothing available. There's just very, very few uh, rental properties available. So, but I, I feel like that's kind of our hedge is the, is the rental property, the cash flow and the ability you know, for us to even, even if we had to back down the cash flow quite a bit, we'd still be okay. But that, that's really all I've got. What are you doing to hedge against it? Yeah. Uh, so, you know, I keep saying I'm going to stop investing in real estate and then deals keep coming my way. Right. And I keep investing, <laughs> you know, it's like, so it's funny, um, but I think I'm investing in, in, and, and this might sound like it's just a cliche, but I really think I'm investing in P 
people's deals that are much more likely to succeed than just any random deal. That's one. The second thing is I am selling some single families. I got in Maryland, I got uh, 11 houses, 12 houses now. I'm selling the two that don't make logical sense, kind of goes back to that equity to return number. I got one it's worth like four and a quarter that the rent is like 2,500. So, okay. you know, where at one point when I bought it for 175, it made sense where now the rents haven't gone up enough. Is, rents haven't gone as fast as the equity is going to proportion it to the, to the value, let's say. I got another one that's close to a busy road and I just think it's in a, in a shitty market. It wouldn't, it would not sell well. So I'm selling that. And then I'm taking, um, about a half a million dollars. My goal is a half a million dollars. I got three fifty in there now. Um, you know, putting it in Peter Schiff's fund, which is a um, Euro Pacific Capital Fund, which is a fund that invests in non-United States companies. If it basically, if the stock market crashes in the U.S., it does really well. So Swiss companies and and some more conservative companies, and then a lot of gold. Gold manufacturers, gold mines, stuff like that. So, so like where the money would go if the market does tank, it'll go into the, the it'll it'll leave here and go to those places. Is that yeah why? yeah okay yep yep yeah so so anyway so that's uh, that's what I'm doing to answer the question and you know I thought the market was going to tank like five years ago like I'm so wrong and I could be wrong I mean I heard a guy yesterday that's like no we got five years left you know this these are the reasons and I'm like hmm, pretty smart um, but um, you know so I paid off my house I you know thinking I was going to need just have more you know lower my loan to value ratio across the board and. I could have made a lot of money with that money that I used to do that. So, but I didn't, but anyways, so you just know, I, I don't know, you know, I don't know. It's yeah. a, in Aspen, we're going to hopefully have a bull versus bear panel on stage. And um, we're going to have people point counterpoint all the asset classes that could be invested in and uh, should be very interesting. So I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, man, I, 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 I have a hard time with it too. Cause I think like two years ago, I was thinking that the market was getting ready to tank. And then now I'm hearing more and more people say, now we got at least two years left, maybe five and uh, of, of this market. And it's like, it's tough. Cause what we can see, at least in, in our market, like the higher end, I feel like is slowing down, like stuff over maybe 400,000, 350,000 and above, maybe even, and then the lower end is still ridiculously strong, like anything under two hundred and fifty thousand. So what I'm what what's weird to me is that I almost wonder if like the high end is going to come down and the low end is going to continue up until there's like some kind of pressure in the middle, which is which I don't know what what that'll do, you know, because yeah. the builders can't build fast enough for the low end, and the high end, like if the market starts to soften, I think that they're, they're going to get hit first, so they'll start falling first. And the low end is still, there's so much buying pressure pushing it up. So it's just weird. I don't know what's going to happen. Strange to, to be in this place. And I'm like, I, I really want it to pull back actually the housing market. Not that I want people to get hurt or anything, but I just feel like that'll make the more buying opportunities for us. You know? Yeah. It's weird. Well, it's weird. Only time will tell. And no, nobody knows. I think there's a lot of, there's probably more people watching it 
than ever before in history, right? Like, what, like, what do you think is like the impact that all of these hedge funds and, and that have come in and bought tons and tons and tons of properties, like maybe, maybe it's not falling because like normally those properties would be owned by people that are losing jobs and, and get it going through foreclosure. And now they're all owned by hedge funds who aren't going to lose anything. They're just going to, they're going to, they're just going to be able to hold them through the downturn. So like in those people that would be losing jobs and, and all that stuff would are their renters. Now they, they just decided they wanted to rent instead of buy this time, this cycle, you know, so it's like maybe it won't take such a big giant hit. I don't know. I, yeah, that's a, it's a weird conversation because, because how does something like that unwind or, or does it ever? I mean, is it possible that they will never unwind, that they will, will stay there forever and generate cash flow through rent, which is certainly possible. Yeah, very possible because, you know, you and I have, are doing that and done, I've done that my whole life, but I just don't, you, you know, one of, the, one of the concerns is that when they do unwind, they create a market, right? They create a market and let's say they own 25 houses in one zip code. They put all those up for sale in the same day. I mean, you're basically creating a, a buyer's market at that point overnight. Yeah. yeah they, definitely down. Could, they could definitely swing the market in our, in our neck of the woods. I mean, they own a lot of properties around here, you know, American homes for rent and, and Blackstone and those guys, you know, there's, there's a, a, quite a few of those companies that have boatloads of houses around here. And it takes a while, I think, with, and I'm speaking from years of experience, it takes a while to, for the jury to come out on your profit per house. I mean, it really does, on expenses, it doesn't take as long probably with a brand new house. Like if you build a development, like uh, Jim Shields, who's a, a GoBro, you know, he builds all new construction for rent, build to rent. He's he's a uh, Jacksonville guy, right? They're yeah. More, more meaning. Yeah, we just met with him at Jake and Gino's event. Okay, yeah. So that's that. That's a little more predictable because it's you know you got warranties on the stuff and and you can pretty much guarantee that the roof isn't going to leak, that sort of thing. But when it comes to buying used properties, you just don't know. You can make. You can make killer cash flow one year and lose your ass the next year just based on a septic system that leaks and explodes in the front yard and a HVAC system that goes out. You know what I mean? It just and it just ruins it. And and I think it 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 really you really have to do like a five year average. Oh right? yeah, hundred <laughs> percent agree with that. We we just replaced I don't know how many septics between four and six. For sure, in like the last three months, it's like terrible. and that ruins your quarter, right? Oh, so you can't look. If someone looked at your last quarter, and they'd be like, "Yeah, I'm not getting into this game." <laughs> yeah. So anyway, so I don't, and I don't know if they've been in it long enough to really, to really know whether it's a smart thing to do or not. I think you know, obviously, over time, real estate always goes up, and obviously, over time, rents always on the long term over time go up. Short term, yeah. they certainly could go down. Uh, things could change. Markets could change. So I, I don't know. And, you yeah. know, I guess it, that's where it helps to kind of do a little bit of this, a little bit of that, and, and a little bit here and a little bit there, you know? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I got, I got stuff in about, you know, I'm in like nine states now. So, like, you know, I mean, you know, spread it out. I got commercial, residential, 
cash. Do you do any apartments or anything like that? Or Yeah, I've got four or five complexes now with partners. Okay. But um, yeah, I had nine. We sold a bunch because they were selling, because, you know, people were paying astronomical prices. So, so we're, we've been selling, but we'd like to buy, but the numbers just don't work like they used to. Yeah. It's crazy how high they are right now, man. It's just, I feel like there's an opportunity to build Durant like Jim Shields is doing it, but I, I need a partner down here that can do that so that we can buy the lots or buy the land and then do the build to rent. I think, I mean, pricing is almost to where like the builder costs, where it would be cheaper if I owned the building company or whatever and could do the build to rent thing than it is to even buy resales, you know? You should talk to Jim about it. If he can't do it, he might know somebody, you know? I wonder, yeah. Yeah, I mean, just I say, hey, I want to do that here. What do you think? How far are you from him? I'm about two and a half hours. Oh, not okay. that far. Yeah. But, but far enough that it wouldn't be probably far enough be that he yeah it's probably too far um yeah no, but maybe not who knows oh man well listen john this has been a blast i appreciate you uh, coming on here and and uh, going over all this stuff with the go bros i uh, hopefully you guys can learn some stuff from john and and uh, guys i'm gonna put all of his contact information social media links that sort of thing in the show notes uh for the podcast and Feel free to reach out to him and say, hey, great to, great to meet you via the podcast. And, uh, John, I'll see you at the next GoBundance event. Yeah, man, looking forward to it. Thanks, Pat. Have a good one. All right. In life, to be honest, I failed as much as I've succeeded. But I love my wife. I love my life. And I wish you my kind of success. Don't step to me, don't step to me, bitch. Now you can